Gideon's new name actually serves as a reminder that Baal is no god at all. And so this is a huge turning point in the narrative. You can say the, the Spirit of God is taking possession of Gideon. Gideon now lacks nothing. Welcome to another episode of the Carpe Fide Podcast, where if the shoe fits, you wear it. And if the truth hurts, you bear it. I am Justin Gruber. And I am Jesse Gruber. And today we hope you will seize seize the the faith. Our church back home has uh, regularly prayed for Missy O'Day. And I'm just thankful for Jesse and for Justin and their leadership. So you guys... I don't know how your exposure is with churches and stuff across the nation, but you guys have some good pastors. Jesse and Justin are really good men. They love you guys. Um, They don't hide behind some kind of perfect piety. They're real men with you guys. They open their homes. So pray for those men and be thankful that God has given them to you as pastors. Um, I know, and I I think John would probably say amen to this. We are extremely privileged to count them as friends. Uh, So just wanted to extend that. Uh, word of thanks for inviting me here to be able to open God's word with you guys and to encourage you to pray for him. And both Jesse and Justin embody the very thing that we're talking about, valor, courage. Um, They address the issues and the darkness in the culture head on, and they are unashamed of the gospel. And in an age that we live in today, that's a rare thing. Uh, So definitely, uh, Keep them in prayer that they would continue to press forward. Um, with that, let me open us up in a word of prayer. And then we're going to dig in uh, to look at this interesting man of God, Gideon. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you now in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be able to gather here freely with no concerns to worship you. Father, we do pray that the words that we've sung, the words we've prayed, the words being read and proclaimed would be pleasing in your sight, God. We earnestly pray that for each man here, their understanding and vision of you and their necessity of Christ would be ever deepening and enlarging. I ask now that you would grab hold of our hearts and that you would incline them heavenward, Godward to you. Remove the distractions, remove the noise, Remove the fears, remove the worries, remove everything and anything that seeks to obstruct our ability to focus on you. Open our eyes, Lord, by your spirit that we could see your glory shining forth from your word. Unite our hearts as a group of men here to rightly fear and love your name. We ask, Lord, that you would satisfy us with your steadfast love because we know truly that there is nothing else in the created order that can satisfy us. The only true satisfaction comes from you. Lead us into truth that we would be men of truth. And Holy Spirit, I ask now that the words of my mouth would be pleasing in your sight. That you would go and do that Christ-conforming work in each one of us. We lift these things up to you in the powerful name of Christ. Amen. So I'm a book guy, so I like to often start off with quotes. Uh, Reading is my hobby, my pastime. So here's a quote from Mark Twain. Quote, Courage is the resistance to fear. Mastery of fear, not the absence of fear. End quote. Every single one of us will struggle with fear. Whether it is fear of not doing things perfectly, fear of rejection, fear of the unknown, fear of failure, fear of success, fear is there constantly. It is the ever-present enemy It's the elephant in the room, and the sooner you acknowledge fear, the sooner you can get on with attacking it. In this life, it is impossible to escape fear, and in the journey of faith, it is impossible to escape fear. If we are to march upward and onward as Christian men of valor, 
then we have to recognize that we will come face to face with fear often and get comfortable with it. So our big idea during this time that we're together is to walk, you have to walk through fear by faith to grow in courage. Let me repeat that. You have to walk through fear by faith to grow in courage. Now we're going to look at this individual named Gideon. We're going to be in Judges 6 and 7. So if you have your copy of God's Word, you can turn there with me. And as you're turning there, let me kind of set the stage of what's happening. The book of Judges is marked by the people doing what is right in their own eyes. In Judges chapter 17, verse 6, we find that epic phrase, every man did what was right in his own eyes. It's repeated again in Judges 21, verse 25, the last chapter of the book. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And we are living in a time and in a culture where everybody is doing what is right in their own eyes. And it is being lifted up as a great virtue. You are the captain of your own soul. You are your own God. You chart your destiny. But biblically we know that that heart posture is a heart posture of sin. And the people of God here in Judges are knee-deep in it. Time and time again, we read of how they sin and how God gives them over to the hand of their oppressors, of their enemies, as a way of disciplining them. In Judges chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, the sons of Israel did what was evil in the eyes of Yahweh and served the Baals. And they forsook Yahweh, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt and followed other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed themselves down to them. Thus they provoked Yahweh to anger. So they forsook Yahweh and served Baal and Ashtaroth. And the anger of Yahweh burned against Israel. He gave them into the hands of plunderers who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies around them so that they could no longer stand before their enemies. Wherever they went, the hand of Yahweh was against them for evil, as Yahweh had spoken and as Yahweh had sworn to them so that they were severely distressed. That's the climate. That's what's happening. And yet God, in His grace, will send a series of judges throughout the book, and these judges will provide a deliverance, a rescue, only for Israel to be like a dog returning to their vomit and falling into sin again. In our section today, Judges 6 begins by Israel being plundered over by the Midianites. Judges 6.1, Then the sons of Israel did what was evil in the eyes of Yahweh, and Yahweh gave them into the hands of Midian seven years. Think about that. Seven years of being oppressed by your enemies. God sovereignly allowing, decreeing, ordaining this to happen to discipline Israel with the hope that they would repent and turn back to him. Judges 6.6, 6. so Israel was brought very low because of Midian, and the sons of Israel cried out to Yahweh. Just as a, an aside, when God brings these hard, difficult, disciplining circumstances upon his people, it is always done with a heart seeking for his people to repent, turn back to him, to cry out to him. So they cry out to God here in verse 6. And God sends them a prophet. And this prophet reminds them of how good God's been to them. How God has delivered them. How God has provided for them. But they still choose to disobey. For, uh, Judges 6, verse 7. Now it happened when the sons of Israel cried out to Yahweh in account of Midian, that Yahweh sent a prophet to the sons of Israel. And he said to them, Thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, 
It was I who brought you up from Egypt and brought you out from the house of slavery. I delivered you from the hands of the Egyptians and from the hands of all your oppressors and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am Yahweh your God. You shall not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to my voice. Throughout the words of that prophet, you hear God saying again, I did it, I did it, I've done it. So it's as if God is saying, Israel, wake up. Do you not realize how good I have been to you? But sin makes you stupid. And Israel is entrenched in the stupidity of sin. And so, in verse 11 and following, God brings the fifth judge to them. A man named Gideon. Some have rightly said that he is the greatest of the judges throughout the book. He's given the task of delivering Israel from the Midianites and the Amalekites. And Gideon is an interesting character because there's lots of studies and Bible studies of the courage, the valor of Gideon. And yet, throughout Chapter 6, 7, and 8, when you look at Gideon, what do you see? You see a man who, yes, was courageous and yet also extremely fearful. So to repeat our point, our big idea during this time, you have to walk through fear by faith to grow in courage. So our first point, the courage to answer the calling. Let's start at verse 11. Let's read the section. Then the angel of Yahweh came and sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abizurite. And his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress in order to preserve it from the Midianites. And the angel of Yahweh appeared to him and said to him, Yahweh is with you, O mighty man of valor. Then Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if Yahweh is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his wondrous deeds which our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not Yahweh bring us up from Egypt? But now Yahweh has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Then Yahweh turned to him and said, Go in this strength of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? But he said to him, O Lord, with what shall I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the least in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. But Yahweh said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall strike down Midian as one man. So Gideon said to him, If now I have found favor in your eyes, then do a sign for me, that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I come back to you. And I bring out of my offering and lay it before you. And he said, I will remain until you return. So Gideon went in and prepared a young goat and unleavened bread from an ephath of flour. And he put the meat in a basket and the broth in a pot and brought them out to him under the oak and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread and lay them on this rock and pour out the broth. And he did so. Then the angel of Yahweh put out the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened bread and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened bread. Then the angel of Yahweh went away from before his eyes, and Gideon saw that he was an angel of Yahweh. And he said, Alas, O Lord Yahweh, for I have seen the angel, I have seen the angel of Yahweh face to face. So Yahweh said to him, Peace to you, do not fear, you shall not die. So Gideon built an altar there to Yahweh and named it Yahweh's peace. To this day it is still in Ophrah of the Abizurites. In this section, we see the courage to answer his calling. Now, what we have to see first is that Gideon is a very unlikely character. 
He's a very unlikely judge. We see in verse 11 that it says that he was beating the wheat out in the wine press. When you usually beat wheat out on a threshing floor, and in the wine press is where you tread the grapes to make wine. But these are very hard times for the people of God. The Midianite oppression is serious business. So Gideon is showing some timidity, some fear. He's trying to be discreet. It's a more hidden spot so that he can do this. Maybe he doesn't want to be taken from him. But there's some reservation. There's some fear. And yet, it's there in the midst of this kind of timid hidingness of Gideon that an angel of Yahweh appears in verse 12 and says to him the most likely of things, Yahweh is with you, O mighty man of valor. See, God sees what Gideon doesn't. And because God sees and God knows what Gideon doesn't, the angel of Yahweh comes and gives a word of comfort and a word of hope. Yahweh is with you. We need to stop there for a moment. Yahweh is with you. Those four words are not just true for Gideon, they're true for us. God is with us. Yahweh is with us. Those four words should be watering the seed of courage in our hearts all the time. We saw yesterday how that provides courage. And then he says, oh mighty man of valor. Again, you, this is the first introduction to Gideon. I'm looking at that. I'm like, I don't see a whole lot of valor of bravery of courage in this man it seems rather unexpected for God to say that all he's kind of displayed is kind of a timidness but again there's a great truth there God always equips those whom he calls by God saying oh mighty man of valor that's exactly who Gideon will be Gideon will not be able to be the valley, will not be able to fail to be the valiant man because God has called him to be the valiant man. That's an extremely important thing for us to realize as we go out as men of God in wherever he places us and we seek to be these men of courage, know that because God has created you to be courageous, has redeemed that courage in you, that valor, that is who you will be. Gideon may not be a man of valor at this moment, but the seed of valor will be growing in him as we keep moving forward through the narrative. Imagine God shows up to you. He says, I'm with you, and you're a man of valor. How do you respond to that? Wow, thank you. I can't believe this. Gideon, though, responds in a way that I couldn't imagine. He responds with a frustration. He responds almost with a word of doubt. He says, if Yahweh is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Why are things so bad? I'm looking around and it looks like Yahweh's abandoned us. So what do you mean he's with me? He's not with any of us. Interestingly, Gideon is seeing things, it seems to be missing the whole thing that Israel has acted sinfully and disobediently to, to, to Yahweh. But he looks around. We heard all these stories growing up. I heard how you split the seas. I heard about what you did in the wilderness. I don't see it. He's kind of echoing what the prophet had said in verses 9 and 10, but except from a different perspective because he's not seeing the fault of his people. I'm sympathetic to this because 
I was a youth pastor for, for quite a number of years. And that'd be a lot of times what some of these young men and women would say. I grew up hearing all of these Bible stories, Pastor Alex. I grew up hearing that God does amazing things, but in my home, it didn't seem like God was there. Where's God at? I'm going to have hard conversations. You're not seeing God moving because you and your family's not prioritizing God. God will often feel furthest from those who have the most intimate relationships with sin. If you're close and intimate with sin, you're not going to have a close and intimate walk with God. And so God will feel like he's abandoned you. But those who are closest to God by faith and walk in obedience have the most courage and are used by the Lord and see the Lord at work. That's not where Israel's at. So this is kind of where we see Gideon's head. Maybe you're there. You're looking at the country burning. Where is God? Where are you? What are you doing? How can you allow this to happen? Take a step back and realize we have a country that has turned their back on the Lord. We have a country who's doing what was right in their own eyes. It's not that you don't see God working. You're seeing the disciplining hand of God at work right now. It's not that God is quiet. It's not that God is not working. It's that people have not humbled themselves before the Lord. And by and large, the men who make up the body of Christ in our nation are cowards. We don't have courageous men to fight the Lord's battles. Where we need, God has to raise up judges almost in our day and age. These lightning rods in our culture to call us to repent and to turn. So verses 14 through 24 when we were reading, we see Gideon beginning to step into his calling, accepting it. God calls him to deliver the people. God calls me calls him, I want you to be the man of valor now. I need you to play the man. To go forward in the strength that God will provide Gideon. I love the way verse 14, go in the strength of yours, save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? What more do you need, Gideon? I'm sending you. The one true God of Israel, the one who spoke the cosmos, the one who overthrew Pharaoh. I'm sending you. Why doubt? We're going to see that fear is always in the heart of the man of God. But doubt will, doubt will do horrible things to eat away at your courage, to eat away at your faith to eat away at your trust. Remember this, men. If God has sent you to do a thing, that thing cannot fail. And so you can give yourself with courage to it. These words, have I not sent you, is all that Gideon needs. Sovereign, omnipotent God has sent you, is with you. He said right there in verse, 13, in verse 12, Yahweh is with you. But again, we see that Gideon is a man like we are. And so he's struggling with fear. He's struggling with understanding. So in verse 16, God overcomes the objection. He says, surely I'll be with you and you shall strike down Midian as one man. The Midian army's huge. But I'm going to be with you in such a way that you'll strike him down as if you were fighting just one guy. Do you see, people talk to him about the Old Testament God is so mean. Gideon lifted up his voice, doubting the Lord, and God is gracious to respond to his objection, not to just smoke him. And be like, let me start with somebody new. First, he gives two words of encouragement. The first is that he'll be with him. 
When God is with you, you are always in the majority. Gideon with God beside him is greater than the entire Midian army. I don't care what you're facing. You have a whole entire school district pushing godless agendas. But if you pray and you go before that school in the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have a stronger force than they do. When you go in the courage of the Lord, God can tear down strongholds. God can change trajectories. The second word he gives them, we saw, is that God is going to utterly defeat this entire army as if it's one man. But notice how he says it in 16, I'm with you. In verse 12, God said he was with, with Gideon. In verse 14, God said he was with Gideon. In verse 16, God says he's with Gideon. This is Gideon's source of strength and courage, that God is with him. Do you believe that? Honestly, ask that into your heart right now. Ask your heart right now. Do you believe that God is with you? Not that he's, some, you know, it's easy to believe God saved you, but now he's taking a step back and just watching the whole thing unfold. Do you believe that God is actually, personally, intimately with you in your day-to-day -day life? Do you believe God is with you in your home as you try to courageously lead your wife and love her in an understanding way, as you raise up your children, as you witness to co-workers, as you submit with humility under a godless boss, as you go and walk the communities and pray, do you have the belief, the courage that God is with you? This is Gideon's biggest battle. He is struggling to really believe that God is with him. But the more he comes to believe and know that, the more we see Gideon grow in courage. I'm going to tell you this much. If you don't believe God is with you, your Bible studies are pointless. You're not going to grow in courage from reading the Bible, memorizing Scripture, if you don't really believe that the God you're studying, the God you're growing in the knowledge of, you don't believe that he's really personally with you. You're just going to be a theological devil. It starts with a truly belief that the one true God can be personally known and be personally in relationship with. We see that Gideon is struggling with this because in verses 17 through 24, he asks for a sign. I mean, Gideon's got some stones on him. First, he raises up an objection. Now he's like, well, I need you to prove it. And God again in his grace, entertains what Gideon throws. So Gideon prepares this offering, and he wants to see it consumed. Again, at this point, Gideon isn't really displaying courage. He's displaying doubt. What a sight that must have been. It said the fire came up from the rock. It wasn't that fire came down from heaven. It sprang out of the rock. It consumes this entire thing. Gideon in verse 22 responds with immense fear. He says, Alas, O Lord Yahweh, for I have seen the angel of Yahweh face to face. He's terrified because what Gideon is saying here echoes what is found in Exodus 33. Listen to Exodus 33, verse 20. But he, speaking of God, said, you cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. Gideon recognizes, I'm in trouble. But God is gracious. He responds in verse 23, Peace to you, do not fear, you shall not die. He reassures him. God... Is Yahweh is saying, I haven't called you to kill you. I've called you for to be my courageous instrument. The Lord's response there seems to echo Deuteronomy 34.10. 
And there has not yet risen a prophet in Israel like Moses, whom Yahweh knew face to face. Gideon has seen the very face of God. I don't know about you, but what would you give? I don't know what I would, I'd give anything to be able to see the face of God in Christ. We will one day. But imagine being able to see Christ face to face, to be able to look in his eyes and him in tears. Would that not put a courage in you that you couldn't imagine for the rest of your life? So in verse 24, we see the seed of courage beginning to grow. We see for the first time Gideon responding properly. He builds an altar and he names it Yahweh is peace. The seed of courage has been planted and begins to grow. In this first section here, there are some important points of application for us as men. The first is this. God will often call the most unlikely of men into his service. God will call those who feel inadequate and unqualified because he will be glorified in equipping you to do it. What is it in your life right now that you're afraid to step into by faith because you just believe, I'm not qualified to do that thing. I'm too inadequate for the task, Lord. If God has called you to that thing, that's exactly why you're called there. He will be glorified and he's equipping you to be able to carry it out. You courageously don't trust your abilities. You courageously trust the God who will equip you to do it. You feel inadequate? You feel unqualified? Good. You should. Because you'll depend on God that much more. I preach. That's, that's one of the main things I do in my week. I preach and I counsel people as a pastor. The moment I get to the place where I feel adequate to take the pulpit is the exact moment I should stop taking the pulpit. Because I'm no longer courageously depending upon God to work in me. We also see in this section that it's easy to doubt God's promises when you're filled with fear and not with faith. 2 Timothy 1.7 says God did not give us a spirit of timidity. You ever notice in the moments you're fearing the most, your faith is the weakest? We for, it, fear grabs hold of your heart and you begin to forget the promises of God. What, do you, what are some of you fearing right now? Is there something you're fearing that is making it harder and harder and harder for you to cling to God's promises and act in, God's, in godly courage? Gideon, it's this whole Midianite oppression around him. Fear comes when you see your circumstances as bigger than your Savior. But we also see now that to answer God's call will demand courageous faith. And here's the reality. You can strengthen and deepen your courage and your faith. There's this Latin phrase. I have it over my desk. Animo et fide. Courage and faith. As was alluded to last night, as you grow in the knowledge of God... It leads to growing in trusting God, and it produces a courage for God. You know, you guys have good pastors who teach you the Bible. For most of you, it's not a lack of knowledge of God. It's that you forget the God that you've been taught and, and know. I still learn things when I read the Bible all the time, but so often it's the reminding me that God does the deepest work. In this section, we saw Gideon saying, I can't do this. No way. He doesn't believe he's, he's, he's able. I'm the, my clan is the least in Manasseh. I'm the youngest in my father's house. Gideon is forgetting who he is in the Lord. 
time it will not allow to go through all the passages here. So I'm going to list, I'll list them, you can write them down. Do you know who you are declared to be in Christ? Who are you in Christ? The deeper understanding of that you'll have, the easier you'll find to step in courage, to walk in courage. You are justified and redeemed by God, Romans 3.24. You are a new creation in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.17. You have been declared righteous by God, The righteousness of Christ imputed to you, 2 Corinthians 5.21. You have been chosen by God, Ephesians 1.4. You have been adopted by God to be a son, Galatians 4.5. You are united to the very one. You are united to Christ himself, John 15, verses 1 and 5. You are declared a saint, meaning you have been set apart for God and made and declared holy. We see that in a lot of Paul's letters, Philippians 1.1 1, 1 is a great example. And you are God's very worksmanship created for good works, Ephesians 2.10. That's not an exhaustive list, men, but that's who you are in Christ. When you recognize that, how can you not feel strong and courageous in the Lord? You read that and you're almost like, man, I'm a spiritual superhero. Clark Kent has nothing on me right now. Also, we see in this passage a very important lesson. Gideon was tested by God. Gideon, I'm sorry, Gideon tested God. He, he put a test before him. Prove it. Uh, that's a, not an instructive passage. We don't test the Lord. God was gracious to him in that regard. But when Jesus is in the, garden, when Jesus is in the wilderness in Luke chapter 4, verse 12, he tells Satan, do not put the Lord your God to the test. He's quoting Deuteronomy 6.16. Men, you don't test God. You're talking above your pay grade when you do that. God was kind to Gideon, but that's not telling us that that's something we should be doing. So this is the calling. The second point, we go from the courage to answer the call to point number two, the courage to cut down and construct. Verse 25. Let's read the section here. Now it happened on the same night that Yahweh said to him, Take your father's bull and second bull, seven years old, and pull down the altar of Baal, sorry, Baal, which belongs to your father, and cut down the Asherah that is beside it, and build an altar to Yahweh your God on top of this stronghold in an orderly manner, and take the second bull and offer a burnt offering with the wood of the Asherah which you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men of his servants and did as Yahweh had spoken to him. And now it happened that because he was too afraid of his father's household and the men of the city to do it by day, he did it by night. Then the men of the city arose early in the morning, and behold, the altar of Baal was torn down, and the Asherah which was beside it was cut down, and the second bull was offered on the altar which had been built. And they said to one another, Who did this thing? And when they searched about it and inquired, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, did this thing. Then the men of the city said to Joash, Bring out your son that he may die, for he has torn down the altar of Baal, and indeed he has cut down the Asherah which was beside it. But Joash said to all who stood against him, Will you contend for Baal, or will, or will you save him? Whoever will contend for him shall be put to death by morning. If he is a god, let him contend for himself, because someone has torn down his altar. Therefore, on that day, he named him Jerubbabel. That is to say, let Baal contend against him, because he had torn down the altar. 
Now all the Midianites and Amalekites and the sons of the east assembled themselves, and they crossed over and camped in the valley of Jezreel. But the spirit of Yahweh clothed Gideon. He blew a trumpet, and the Abazarites were called together to follow him. And he sent messengers throughout Manasseh, and they were also called together to follow him. And he sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, Naphtali, and they came up to meet them. Gideon takes the first step of courage. God says, you need a clean house. I need you to go to your father's home because your father is steeped in idolatry and he is worshiping this false god and I need you to get rid of it. I need you to tear it down. Your father is worshiping the false god of Baal. He has an Asherah pole there which has been erected perhaps in the false worship of the prophetess Asherah. I need you to tear that down and I need you to build the right altar of worship up. And Gideon courageously obeys. Let's not think about this. It takes courage. He's going against his father. He's tearing down a place of worship, albeit false worship. Yes, he does it by night because he's fearful, but here we see the interplay. Courage doesn't always mean the absence of fear but are willing to face it, to go through it. When you've made those courageous steps by faith, I'm sure you had fear and doubts in your heart when you did it. In my family, we're going through one right now. I'm a church planter. There isn't a you know, that's not a very lucrative living. And my wife has been working full time. But it's created a very, an environment in our home where we're so consumed with having to take care of our responsibilities, our bills, that my wife's faith, it's hard for her to prioritize faith. She's at work. She's up early. She's not a night owl. I'm a night owl. You can hit me up at 2.30 in the morning and I'm usually up. You know, I take naps. I don't sleep. But that's not her. It's hard on her. And we have a little boy. We put him in school this year in a Christian private school because we couldn't homeschool him anymore because we needed the finances to make it work. But I've been seeing my wife struggling to prioritize God, and it's been hard on her. We've been praying and praying and praying, and I'm called as a man to courageously lead my home and lead my wife. And so we prayed, and I said, hey, babe, I need you to go down to half-time, part-time. But how are we going? I know. There's questions there. Think I'm not scared? I don't know. But we have to prioritize God and his revealed will and trust that he'll provide a means. And that's what we did last week, her first week working part-time. And I saw her face. like There's just a, a, a levity about her. I saw her in the word. I saw her having the energy to play with her son. The fears are not gone in our home. But we're going to, by faith, courageously take that step. Courage doesn't mean the absence of fear. Courage means you acknowledge the fear, but it doesn't paralyze you. Take the step, even if fear's still there. Gideon obeyed here, though there's still some fear there. The next day, it's found out. They want to put him to death, Right? Totally unexpected. You don't see that in the bingo card. His dad, the idolater, is the one who defends him. Well, you know, if Baal's a real God, we don't need to take care of it. He'll take care of him. His father defends him. His father changes his name to me, let Baal contend. Gideon's new name actually serves as a reminder that Baal is no God at all. And then God clothes him. It says the spirit of Yahweh clothed Gideon. And so this is a huge turning point in the narrative. The spirit fills Gideon. You can say the, the spirit of God has taken possession of Gideon. Gideon now lacks nothing. He is ready and he is equipped to go and deliver them from the oppressor. He has been equipped by Yahweh for the purposes of Yahweh which is the only way to explain what happens next because the very people who are trying to put him to death now join his ranks. There must have been something 
that took place there that the hearts of the people knew God is with this man. The courage to cut down and construct. What does that mean for us? First and foremost, it means to serve God alone. What's the first commandment? Somebody shut it out. Shall have no other gods before me. That was a problem in Israel. It's a problem in Gideon's home. God tells you, you got a clean house. Get rid of it. Before Gideon is used by God to help clean up Israel, God calls Gideon to clean up his home. You want to be used by God? You want to be a courageous vessel of God? You know, somebody goes, we're going to go, we're going to the abortion clinic and we're going to protest. We're going to, we're going to pray out there. We're going to do street preaching. Good things. Do it. We need more of it. We're going to go to the city hall meetings. How dare they have drag queen story hour protest. That's a good thing. But are you quicker to take and try to bring reform out there than courageously cleaning up what's in your home? Before we seek to be courageous men of God in the culture, we have to be courageous to confront the sin and idolatry in our own hearts and in our own homes. Make it a habit to pray Psalm 139, verse 22, which reads, Oh, sorry, verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. Ask God to search your heart and to reveal the areas where you have the bales and the Asherahs Erected in your own life, in your own homes. Again, as a youth pastor, I saw this all the time. Parents that are so lamenting the culture, but they allow the culture into their houses. Dads that are passionate, we need to regain biblical manhood. And the most manly thing you do with your son is teach him how to do fantasy football. What do you need to cut down right now? What are the Asherah poles you need to cut down? What are the bales you need to tear down in your home, in your heart, in your personal life? Is it personal purity? Is, are, are you bowing the knee and serving the bale of pornography and therefore you are robbed of being able to be a courageous man? Are you watching trash on TV that is actually searing your conscience and so you're not able to be a man of courage? Cancel your Netflix. Cancel your Paramount. Your Cancel it all. If that's keeping you from being courageous in the Lord. Are you serving, taking a little Johnny to football or a little Susie to cheerleading so your church commitment is weak? That's a bail. That's an pole. Get rid of it. Are you serving the God of comfort, pleasure, money, success, sex, sports? They're there. They're in my life. They're in your life. To the degree they're there, we're not going to be able to courageously step into what the Lord has called us to do because those things rob you of courage. And it takes courage to tear those things down. I was talking to a man back home. He's in his 70s. Very, very wealthy man. Makes money I don't even think I'll ever be able to imagine making. Harvard grad. Went to Harvard Law, graduated number one in his class. Takes his wife and his children on multiple vacations to France. Country club memberships. Those are not inherently bad things. But they became the bales and the ashras in his life. And I was sitting at breakfast with him, 6.15 in the morning, 70-something-year-old man, right? He sees life moving away, and he looks at me and would have broken it and says, you know what? I think I've missed it. I wish I would have done more for the Lord. My children aren't walking with Jesus, and they're grown adults. I didn't play. I wasn't a man is what he said. 
And as we saw yesterday, I wasn't courageous in what God called me to. He said, I was living for stuff that doesn't last. Those were his false gods. By outward measures and a level of success, I can't even imagine. But he was robbed of courage. It, and when we talked, it wasn't that he didn't know better. He just said, I can't, it, it, it scared him to not partake. It scared him to cut those things out of his life. You have them, I have them. They're courage killers. I want to be able to say with the Apostle Paul what he writes in Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. Christ will even now, as always, be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. I want Christ to be magnified in everything I think, say, do, and desire. That takes courage because for Christ to be magnified, the things of the world that seek to rob you of your courage must be killed. They must be faced. Let us be courageous men who build homes where wives are loved and children are discipled. Let's be courageous men who build strong churches that are focused on prayer and on the ministry of the word. Let's be courageous men who build schools and institutions for children to be raised with a biblical worldview so that they can be image bearers that go out into the world and plant a banner for the Lord Jesus Christ. In, G in Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16, Jesus talks about being salt and light in the world. Salt and light takes courage. Gideon was called to cast down and to construct. Not simply, for us, that means simply not removing those things, but putting the things then into our lives, into our homes, into our churches, into our communities to put the focus back on the one true God. Gideon, clean up your home and make me central in your home so I can use you to clean up Israel so once again I can be the preeminent focus of my people. He does that. And then lastly, and I'll be quick here because you know we're hungry and time is moving here. Our last point, the courage to carry out the mission despite the odds. Judges chapter 7. Then Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and camped beside the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian was on the north side of them by the hill of the Mora in the valley. And Yahweh said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give Midian into their hands, lest Israel honor themselves, saying, My own hand has saved me. So now, come, call out in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever's afraid and trembling, let him return and depart from Mount Gilead. So 22,000 people returned, but 10,000 remained. Then Yahweh said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water and I will test them for you there. And it will be that he of whom I say, this one shall go with you, he shall go with you. But everyone whom I say to you, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water. And Yahweh said to Gideon, everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set him aside for yourself. And so everyone who kneels to drink. Now the number of those who lapped putting their hand to their mouth was 300. But all the rest of the people kneeled to drink water. And Yahweh said to Gideon, I will save you with 300 men who lapped and will give the Midianites into your hands. So let all the other people go, each man to his place. Gideon's got an army. He's got 32,000 strong. They're positioned about five miles away from the Midianites. Midianites actually know they're there, but they're not too worried about it. God now tells Gideon, I want you to do the unthinkable. I need you to trim your forces. He goes from 32,000 to 300. As John can tell you, weakening your firing line in the midst of a battle can often seem like a suicide thing to do. But God says, no, I need to do this 
so that when, not if, when I give the victory, you will know it was because of me. I will get the glory because, man, do not, don't we have the tendency, especially when we get some type of victory and we have a gifting in that area, to think, yeah, I did that a little bit. Not bad. So often when there is victory, man takes the credit, yet in times of loss, it's when he blames God. Good leaders share all the success and own all the failure. God wants to remove any pride from them at this moment. And so the first thing he says is, anybody who's fearful, tell them they get to go, right? That allowance was made in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 8. And two-thirds of his army is like, yeah, I'm out. Two-thirds say, I'm just too scared to do this. We're going to die. No, I'm good. The next group of men are removed by God's testing. Those who lap water, right? Those who scooped up and kept their eyes on the swivel, right? They stayed tactically aware. God's like, I'll give you those guys. He gives them these 300 men. And notice here for the first time, we don't see Gideon questioning God, doubting God. He just, he does it. He's obedient. That seed of courage is continuing to grow and grow and grow. The seed of courage, God God will grow the seed of courage in each one of you if you trust him. But again, it's an imperfect courage because as the narrative goes, they go into the camp and it says here, Verse 9, now it happened at the same night, and Yahweh said to him, Arise, go down against the camp, for I've given it into your hands. God knows Gideon's heart, though. Verse 10, but if you're afraid to go down, then both you and Pura, your young man, go down to the camp, and you'll hear what they say. And afterwards, your hands will be strengthened that you may go down against the camp. So he went with Pura, his young man, down to the outskirts of the armed men that were in the camp. Now the Midianites and Amalekites and all the sons of the east were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts. Their camels were without number, as numerous as the sand of the seashore. How many of you guys have ever seen the movie 300? Right? I'm picturing that when those mighty 300, right, look and they see the, bad, the, the, the Persian army there. The, numerically, this isn't going to be a victory for Gideon if we're just basing it off numbers. Then Gideon came, and behold, a man was recounting a dream to his friend and said, Behold, I had a dream. A loaf of barley bread was tumbling into the camp of Midian, and it came to the tent and struck it so that it fell and turned upside down so that the tent lay flat. And his friend answered and said, This is nothing less than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, the man of Israel. God has given Midian and all the camp into his hand. Now it happened that when Gideon heard the account of the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship. Then he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, Yahweh has given the camp of Midian into your hands. And he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put trumpets and empty pitchers into the hands of all of them with torches inside the pitchers. Then he said, Look at me and do likewise. Courage is found. You see right there? He's courageous now. And behold, I will come to the outskirts of the camp, and I will be that just as I do, so you do likewise. And I and all who are with me will blow the trumpets, then you shall blow the trumpets all around the camp and say, for Yahweh and for Gideon. Imperfect courage. He took Pura with him. God knew it. But Gideon still courageously walked into the camp. Men, fear is an emotion, but courage is an action. Gideon still walks by faith. And just as God said it, it happened. The enemy are given into his hand. God graciously, again, made an allowance for the lingering fear in him. What God said was going to happen, happens. The guy recounting the dream. And you see a change in Gideon's heart. He goes back to camp and he's like, we're going to do this thing. Do as I do. Follow me. No longer is this, is this vacillating happening. Gideon, I'm locked in. God has, the seed of courage has fully bloomed. I've been fearful. I've questioned. God 
has continued to show himself, let's go do it. And they secure the victory. They do. Gideon is a man of imperfect courage, but a man of courage nonetheless. I want you to hear me. Do not allow the presence of fear to stop you from responding in faith and in courage. Picking on John since he's here, but John will tell you when he was out there. there wasn't, it wasn't that there was no fear in his heart. But he was out there also as a man of God. It was a fear that was not bigger than his faith. Again, I'm asking this question over and over because we need to wrestle with it. What are you fearing right now? Write it down. What are you fearing right now in that one area of your life that is stopping you from stepping forward in the courage that God is calling you to? Maybe you're in a relationship with somebody who's not a believer. It takes an act of courage to end that relationship. I don't know what it is for you guys, but you guys got to find it and you guys got to name it out. Also, here's another one. Do not find courage in your resources or in your talents. Find courage in the God who stands beside you. What are you prone to find your courage in rather than God? Thirdly, he went down to the camp with his right-hand man. Pura was with him. You must surround yourself with other men who are marked by a spirit-empowered courage. Do you have other courageous men in your life? Christian courage, man. Do you have those? Do you have those battle buddies, those brothers, the ones where you, when that moment you freeze, he says, keep going, let's go. There's a mission. God's called us. Show hands. All right, let's call it out. We're here for a reason. You know, How many of you can say you have close guy friends that are full of courage that you talk to at least on an every other day basis? Numbers are low there. Most men, get, especially men who get married, lose a lot of those friendships. Even Jesus surrounded himself with some battle buddies. You need other godly, courageous men in your life because you need somebody who is going to call you to courage when your courage begins to falter. Pura was there to help give him the confidence to keep going, the courage to keep going. Lastly, does the glory of God and the growth of his kingdom drive you to be courageous? Men, of, men who are going to be valiant don't play it safe. G.T. Shedd has this quote I love. A ship in harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are built for, end quote. You and I were created and redeemed to be men of courage. It will always on this side of eternity be an imperfect courage, but it is a courage nonetheless. So trust God and leave the harbor. In Gideon, we have seen that, to, that you and I have to walk through fear by faith if we are to grow in courage. Gideon's faith was forward-looking to God fulfilling his promises. Our faith is backwards-looking, looking to the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. So trust in Christ, courageously take one step forward in obedience to God, despite your fears, and then take one more step, and then one more step. That's all you have to do, it's one step. One step. One step of, of, of faith, trust, and courage at a time. One courageous step by faith will give you the strength to take another courageous step by faith. And we see that in Gideon. At the end there, we see in this section of the narrative, a man filled with courage. If you read chapter 8, you'll see he still has his struggles. 
But don't we all? Let's pray. Father God, we come before you in the powerful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, if I'm going to be honest, I'm nothing but weakness. I'm nothing but fear. I'm nothing but doubt and anxiety and depression. I try to find my identity, my courage, who I am, and so many garbage things that are not of you. I'm more like Gideon than I want to admit. I've questioned you. I doubt you. I object to your calling on my life. And you've been far gracious to me, just like you were to your servant, Gideon. Father, I know I'm not alone. I know all the men in this room have struggled or are struggling with similar things. And yet you call us, Lord, to be men of courage and faith. Or better said, faith and courage, because true faith will bring forth the fruit of courage. So Father, right here, right now, I don't know where each one man is at. But I'm asking you at this moment, if you would be so kind to us, God, that you, Holy Spirit, would shine your light upon the heart of each man here. That you would reveal perhaps the bales and the asherahs that need to be cut down and how you seek to build up your altars in their lives. I ask you, Lord, for them to understand, to know your calling upon their life and for them to courageously walk in it. And I call, I, Lord, I, I pray that you would help each one of us Look at the, what, what's out there. But not with the eyes of the flesh, but with the eyes of faith and say, don't tell me the odds because Yahweh is with me. Yahweh will strengthen me. God will sustain me. I will march forward singing the song of the victory of Christ. Come what may. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that we don't need to look to men like Gideon to be our only example of courage. They are shadows, but you are the substance. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the truly courageous one and that our life is hidden with Christ and God. Thank you for being our courage. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.